If you're there or thereabouts, if you've got a Bible, if you haven't, I'll help you. Come and see me afterwards, Nick will buy you one. So Stan, I think, opened up the series, Jan continued it last week, and in Isaiah 54, in verse 1, it says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of a desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And uh, so that just speaks, as, as has been explained over a while, that before there's fruit, we, we sing and uh, we give praise to our God. And then it, there's this commandment that says uh, that we are commanded really to stretch wide. It goes on. It says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords. It's not an invitation. It's telling you that's what we've got to do. So we widen our things. The words come, therefore we must do. So we've got to stretch our tents, curtains wide. We've got to lengthen and strengthen our stakes. And because God says, for you will spread out. And so that's the game here. We are going to spread out. And so it's a little bit like a farmer. A farmer expects there to be fruit from what he sows. He does all the hard work. He plants, he waters, he uh, adds nutrients, what's it called, fertilizer. <laughs> and if it, but he knows there's a law of nature coming that he can expect there to be fruit. Sometimes there's not and there's a bad season or whatever it might be, but he expects there to be fruit. And so let's just go and have a quick look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 I should say. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. says, all about Paul speaking about Apollos and Paul and who are we after all, what are we? And it says, I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither the, he who plants nor he who waters in anything, but only God, is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Friends, we have to keep our side of the bargain. Our side of the bargain is the watering the sowing, the fertilizing, but God brings the growth. No one else. It's impossible for anyone else to, only God. You see, when we keep our bargain, side of the bargain, God keeps his. And it's an amazing thing. So when we read Isaiah 54, we don't have to see the fruit before we thank God for it. And that's what we, we honor about today. So I want to speak a little bit about being patient. Patience in the fruitfulness. Patience, Melinda spoke about waiting. And uh, it, it really is an amazing thing that we can't be discouraged by a lack of fruit. Just because you can't see the fruit doesn't mean there isn't potential for it to come. And uh, my mother had the most amazing rose garden. She had, I don't know, 40 roses or something in a tiny little space. And that was her pride and joy. But every year, along would come, I uh, can't remember his name. But anyway, he would arrive, the pruner. And you afterwards, you say, what have you done? There's just these sticks sticking out the ground, literally. Just these little twigs, thorny twigs. And you think you've wrecked it. And he'd throw a bit of this white powder down, whatever that might have been, and he'd spray it with something else. And six weeks later, he would come back and pour more stuff and turn it into the ground. And you'd still think, what have you done? You've wrecked my mother's flowers. And friends, 
just after that, a little bit of water out with these little sticks would start budding. But they wouldn't bud with flowers. They bud with branches. And so we always say, okay, well, where's the fruit? Well, before the fruit comes the leaves and comes these, the, this growth. And uh, it takes time. It takes time for the buds to happen, for the plants to grow, and then out come the, these beautiful flowers. We planted clivias. I don't know if you've ever planted clivias. I don't even know what clivias are, but they're green plants and they've got red flowers. I found out the other day. How did I do that? Because years ago, we planted them in our garden, thought that they had died. And suddenly this season, years later, they suddenly came alive. Friends, be patient with our fruit and our fruitfulness. The roses don't just appear after the pruning. There's new growth that comes. We see this growth and suddenly this thing grows much taller and bigger than it ever was before. And then the little rosebuds appear. And it's a wonderful thing. And uh, fruit doesn't appear on trees overnight. Even though it says in Ezekiel that the trees gave fruit every month, it doesn't say they were fruiting all the time. It's just every month. And they didn't drop their fruit, so they were always available. But it wasn't all the time. It's not instantaneous. Fruit doesn't come immediately. Patience is what buds. Just we be patient. Patient develops when we've got toddlers and they're trashing the breakfast and it throws it on the floor, knocks the milk over, and they walk through it, couldn't care less, and wander on. Patience with your parents. Patience with your parenting. Patience when, when we're teaching our children table manners takes patience, years. It does not happen overnight. Years and years of teaching them not to pick their nose and eat their food at the same time. Years of teaching them not to eat with their knife. Years. Some adults haven't got that right yet, just for the record. It's bad. Not good manners. It takes years, but we get patient, and one day, suddenly, they're eating with a knife and a fork instead of their hands. And you wonder, man, what a winner. But it's patience. It takes time in all these things. And every time we sow patience, it's a nutrient into the earth. It's a wonderful thing, this patience. Galatians 5, verse 22, um, speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit that we're really after. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance. This is English here, not Oxford here. Patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, selflessness, gentleness. John Stott says, every morning I get up and I read that scripture. I don't say it off by heart. I know it off by heart, but every morning I wake up and I read it. Every day. Most influential, they say, is the most influential Christian in America. He was a Brit. John Stott. Read that scripture every single day. Galatians 6, 9. It says, in due time, in season, we will, be, we will reap. If, what? We do not give up. If we don't give up. Friends, this is about patience. It's patience, patient endurance. James 5, 7 says, be patient for the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming. Psalm 37, uh, Stan spoke about it at prayer meeting this week. He spoke uh, about how long, O Lord, how long? 
it says in verse 7 to 9, it says, wait patiently for the Lord. Do not fret. Do not worry. Just be patient. Those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And uh, we spoke about it. It's just how long until this country becomes righteous? How long until the leaders are righteous? Well, we patient. We so pray. God will bring the growth. So friends, when you think of a fruit tree, it's messy. The fruit tree doesn't grow like a, a, a well-trimmed ficus tree. It's messy. It's a, it's a mess. It's like having five children. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen overnight. That, trust me. It takes some time. Well, it can, but it doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time. But it takes perseverance. It, but there's an abundance. I tell you what, if you've got one child in a, in, in a two-parent family, you've got four hands, two children. Ach, two hands, four hands versus two hands. You're going to win every time. You have two children, you've still got four against four. You have three, and it starts getting a little bit interesting. You have to let go one hand to hold another hand. You've still got four against the three hands that you can hold. Four children's a challenge. You've got one each now. But five, let me tell you, you've got to let one go. And you've got to choose which one to let go in that season, to let loose on the general population. That's why we discipline children, so that you can let one go at a time at least. Eventually you have to let them all go, but so that it's safe to let them all go. But it's patience, friends. We have to be patient in this thing where we are fruitful. And it's a tree, same with a tree. A tree grows slowly. It doesn't bring fruit straight away. You know, you, you plant an orange tree, it's not going to have oranges next week. It slowly grows into place. Slowly. Everyone's looking at the screen. I'm not sure what's on it. But uh, anyway, it doesn't happen overnight. And a fruitful tree is stationary. But it's growing and it's moving all the time. It's an amazing thing. There's growth and movement. But it doesn't mean that it, it runs around. And we always look for the fruitful person is the busy person. That person who's running around, busy, running, busy, busy, that's the fruitful person, we think. That's not necessarily the, busy per, the, the fruitful person. That busy person, man, I used to walk around the office as a student. Used to, I had student jobs, I, I told you this before, I used to have a piece of paper in my hand. As long as I looked busy, I was being fruitful in the eyes of the boss. Man, it, it's foolproof until you become a boss yourself. It's not so foolproof. There is growth, but sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's ridiculously fast. But sometimes it's slow. And we shouldn't look at others and say, look, man, they are so fruitful, why aren't I? Because the curse of comparison robs our fruit immediately. It is a dreadful thing. Do not compare. Do not look at anybody else and think, man, I should be like them. Except it says imitate their faith. That's all. You don't look at them and think, man, well, I should be into this. I should be busy. I should be running around. I should be getting up early, going to bed late, seeing a million people. Man, that's busy. That's not fruitful necessarily, unless God's called you to it. And then, friends, fruit is seasonal. It's not all the time. Only in Ezekiel is there fruit every month. Everywhere else in nature, it's unusual that it's, that it's every, all the time. And fruit isn't a destination. Fruit, you don't come to the end of it and stop. We don't rush off. Fruit trees require sunshine, fertilizer, pruning, water, 
air grow. And God brings the growth. We don't have to rush to this destination. That's why rushing around isn't always the answer. We are trees. We stand and we grow under God. It's the same with us. We are like those trees. And all our lives, we get watered and pruned by God. We allow him to prune us. We allow him to get, get involved in our lives. We never get to the point where we say, well, I don't need those, um, I don't need new nutrients. I don't need to be watered. We need to be watered by the word all the time, to get into God's presence all the time, to allow him. It says, we abide. I don't know where this word abide in. It must be old King James, but the new uh, NIV just says, live in the Lord. Live with him. Live in him. And uh, we spend our lives going season to season. We visibly see this ripening fruit. But there's also periods of dormancy where the tree seems to do nothing. Seemingly, there's nothing going on. And we see this lack of fruit. So we, we look at someone else and say, well, they've got no fruit in their life. It's obvious. They're just not doing anything. But we're not seeing what's going on behind the scene, what's going on in private. The reading of the word, the prayer, giving themselves to it, where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand are doing. Man, that's just the time that they're sowing, letting God deal with them. Letting God get the glory, not them, not ourselves. And it's just in fruitful obedience. And all of us go through season after season of this. Just season after season. Lord, what have you got for me this season? When we're not looking at others when we are making sure that the spiritual disciplines are, if you don't know what those are, prayer, reading the word, community, time with people. Friends, they're spiritual disciplines that we get worked into it and suddenly people burst into bloom. Suddenly, so where did that come from? No, hours of prayer. Where does a song from the musicians come from? It doesn't just come because they went and started playing a music together. No, hours of prayer. Hours of just singing in an office, singing and singing. Hours, hours. They laugh because that's all Brandon says. All he ever does is sing. Friends, and the fruit of that is song after song after song. Greg and, and Taryn up in, in uh, Westville today, song after song after song in private lets them burst forth into, into bloom out there. It's a wonderful thing. The pruning that has to take place. We prune off the unnecessary branches. We, why do we prune? So that the nutrients and the water can go in a concentrated way to the branches that are left. So we let them, the, un, the, the ones that are broken, the, the, the dead branches, break them off and we allow God to minister to us. And we suddenly are able to see, we notice these little buds bursting into flame, bursting into, into uh, flowers suddenly, bursting into grapes. And we say, Lord, we give you the honor. Why? So that God can get honored and not me. And it's some, suddenly when the flowers and the fruit come, it's suddenly this rapid growth happens in, in, in how God. But uh, friends, that's the aim. We've got to aim at the fruit. No good if we're just aiming at, at, Lord, prayer, and we can pray and pray and pray, but, Lord, what's my fruit? What have you got for me to do? And uh, John 15, 2 says, I cut off the branches. Jesus cuts off the branches 
that aren't bearing fruit. And that for me is probably the most scary, one of the most scary scriptures ever. I don't want to be that one that God cuts off. I want branches of mine to be cut off, but I don't want to be the one that he cuts off because I'm not bearing any fruit. And uh, we have to be aware and wise. In Luke 13 verse 9 speaks about the fig tree that's not bearing fruit and God said, Jesus comes along and says, chop it down, useless. And the man said, no, 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 let's just put fertilizer one more year. One more year, we'll prune it, one more year. And that's our gracious king, just been one more year. He's got one more year with me, one more chance. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So, if we desire oh, to throw water over this microphone, if we desire to have a great harvest, we must sow when it's time to sow, and we let growth occur when God has ordained it. Our responsibility, feed water, and tend it, and sometimes it takes patience. Much patience comes. It looks like nothing's happened. But I tell you, friends, the greatest fertilizer in my mind is faithfulness and consistency. We just consistently do the same thing over and over. We faithfully do what God has called us to do, and we will bear fruit. It pours it in, it pours in, in the fertilizer, it waters it, and God brings this incredible growth. If I don't, here's a question, if I don't ever produce discernible fruit ever again, will I continue to love the Lord and do whatever he asks? Because if the answer is yes, well then you will bear fruit. So even if it looks unfruitful, just have patience. Be patient. It will come. It will come. Just like teaching your children table manners. Slowly, slowly, it will come. Fruitfulness will burst out. I will produce fruit. And so, if we look at, at Luke chapter 19, quickly we can go to it. Luke chapter 19 in verse 11, it speaks about the faithful servants. And it says, Jesus went on and told them about a parable because he was near Jerusalem and it goes on. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. And in Matthew 25, uh, the, not Matthew 25, in Matthew 25 verse 19, it's the parallel scripture, says he was gone for a long time. They didn't fly. He went by camel, took forever to get to the distant land. So the servants that the story is going to tell about didn't know where, Jesus, where he, the, the master was, and they didn't know when he was returning. Very important. And he went, and he told his servants in verse 13, put this money to work until I come back. And it goes on, they made him king, and he came back, and verse 16, the first one said, Sir, your miner has earned ten more. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Because you've been trustworthy, I will give, make you in charge of ten cities. Second one said, your miner has earned five more. I'll give you five cities. And the last one said, your miner has got dirty underground. And so he said, you wicked servant, and he cast him out. And it's a, whether the master's there or not, how fruitful are we? Man, the, the reality is when the boss isn't there, everyone relaxes. Everyone does. If you don't, you're amazing. You're a, you, Jesus. 
everybody relaxes when the boss isn't there. Stan's not sure, everyone's just very happy day, start a temp. No, I'm joking. But friends, we have to be really careful because when the boss isn't there, does our attitude change? Are we a different person when the boss isn't there? And if I'm my own boss, well, then it's a different matter. But friends, when my boss is away, do I play? No, no, no. That's not going to bring fruitfulness to any situation. But how much we are given is not the situation. It's what we do with what we have been given. Servants had no idea when the, the master was coming back, but they just knew that they had been given something and they were going to be faithful with it. We're not rewarded with what we're given. They were given a mana, money, and they got a city to look after. Ten manas, ten cities. It's a radical thing. They didn't get money. And I know in the other account it does say money for money. But here it's, it's money for cities. It's not what we sow. It's what God reaps out of us is the most amazing, amazing thing. And we don't have to stress about our fruit. We just have to be patient and faithful with it with what we've got and leave the fruit to God. We continue to sow, we continue to plant, we continue to water and we let God worry. It's God's job to bring the growth, not mine. I don't have to worry. John 15 verse 4 to 6 says, Remain in me and I will, you will bear fruit, it says. Remain in me and you will bear fruit. And that may not even look like we're being fruitful, but if we remain in him and he in me, We'll be fruitful even if we can't see it. And then we can sing. As barren people where it looks like there's no fruit, we sing and trust God that there will be fruit. And when we allow God to set the agenda, everything comes out right. And if we just look very quickly at a couple of examples in Scripture where Abraham is an example. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, I'm just going to go quickly there, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. Abraham was how old? 75 years old when he told him that. 75. In Genesis 17, it says that when he was 99 years old, he said, I'll make you very fruitful. 25 years later, he still hasn't borne any fruit. God has said to him, I'm going to show you. You'll be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. He hasn't got one child. It's nine, 25 years later. He's 19, now he's 100. And Sarah's saying, laughing when he says, you're going to be pregnant. So I, I wouldn't be laughing, I'd be horrified. <laughs> I don't want to be pregnant when I'm 100. Thank you very much. Unless, of course, the Lord gave me the child, but even so. Point being, friends, Sarah gave birth and she laughed. She was surprised. She was faithful in living the way that God had called them. Abram got called out from being a moon worshiper to a God worshiper and as numerous as the, sea, the sand on the seashore. He was patient in everything he did. How did it happen? I don't know. I'm sure you can imagine. But that was what Sarah said. But she was amazingly faithful in that she got this child. And that child became as numerous as the seashore, as the sand on the seashore. Moses... Moses in Exodus 3, in verse 8, says, God says, I'm sending you, now go. Now Moses, who'd grown up in a palace 40 years, went to the desert 40 years, he's now pushing 80, he's not a youngster either, and yet he has his most fruitful time of his life ever when God says, now it's time to go. 
I know, Lord, I don't want to go. I'm not that good. I'm not that person. I don't believe you've called me. Okay, I'll send uh, your, your brother along with you, and your brother can do your talking, and Lord, please just, no, go. I'm tired of this now. And he goes. Just obedient. When he's obedient, he has this radical, radical fruit comes out of him. He didn't think he'd ever be fruitful again. Went and lived on the far side of the desert. Suddenly this radical takes the whole nation of Israel out of Egypt. David. David in 1 Samuel 16 gets anointed king. This piddly little shepherd boy on the hills looking after sheep. Got no prospects going for him. He's got a whole lot of brothers that are older and better looking than him. God says, I'm not going to look at your, your face. I'm looking at the inside and you will be my king. He says, okay, Lord, well, whatever. And then David is just this faithful son all the way through. He's a man after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel 22, God sends him. How many of people want to lead these people? The in debt, the discontented. They get sent to David. David leads them. I don't want those people. I want wealthy, rich, uh, easy to lead people. But God doesn't work like that. We've got this amazing church of all sorts, all sorts, wonderful people that God sends us. And we say, well, are we faithful in those things? Testing in difficult times. 1 Chronicles 11, David conquers Jerusalem. He's, fa he's faithful. He, he's, he's successful. And God says, no, not yet. Not to be king just yet. And then there's, there's peace and, and David kills Goliath, as you know, goes and works for, for a wicked king. He's just faithful, patient, waiting, waiting, waiting until God puts him in place. Never fights for it, never strives to be fruitful. David, it's a radical thing. He never strove for fruitfulness, but God made him fruitful in everything he did. Just patient, didn't know, he didn't have to strive, just knew that God had gifted him and didn't want anybody else uh, to ever think that anyone else had done anything for him but God. It was a godly thing. It's an incredible thing. And uh, so friends, just to finish off, when we are the fruitful tree, when we're bearing fruit, we have to know this. We don't have to be the harvester. We don't have to be the warehouse. We don't have to be the chef that uses the fruit. You just have to be fruitful and God uses the fruit any way he wants. We aren't more fruitful because our fruit is used more than the person next to us. Reality is some fruit has to fall to the ground so it reseeds the earth and starts again. So you don't have to be afraid. Man, what am I going to do with all my fruit? No, no, God uses the fruit as and when he wishes. You know, grapes don't decide whether they're going to be wine or grape jam. There's a, there's a man or a woman who decide that. And God is that decider. God decides who's going to use the fruit and then how it's going to be used. We just have to be faithful, consistent, and patient. And we'll give God all the glory and be fruitful. Amen.